You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. So today's sermon will come from uh, Genesis 37 uh, verses 1 through 11. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born into him, born to him in his old age, and he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bound down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Father, we've read your word, and now, Lord, we will seek to understand and apply. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. You're the equipper here. Speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys can be seated. Man, thanks for, for coming out this morning. I know that sometimes it's a, it's a challenge, maybe even a struggle sometimes to get to church. A few years ago, actually back in the day, when uh, I was a senior at Mid-America Christian University in Oklahoma City, go Evangels. Uh, we, don't, we don't say fork them there. That's kind of cool. It's like, I, just sidetrack. I love the fact that I'm now pastoring a church where people come in with demons across there. I mean, like, the demons come to worship even here. You know, that's, that's cool. But anyway, uh, we were, I was in my senior year. It was spring semester. I was going to graduate in May. It was like this time of year, beginning of the semester. It's like January, maybe February. And I'm at a different stage in life than where a lot of folks are that are at, at, at a senior level getting ready to graduate from college because I was married, had been married a few years. We had an almost one-year-old baby boy named Christian, who's now that big, tall guy back there. <laughs> and he was like 10 months old or so, and, and, and nine months, 10 months old. And, and I was working full-time. I was carrying 22 hours to, so I could graduate. I was also very much involved in, in um, interning and working in, in a church locally. But we were going to attend the church that we were attending there in Oklahoma City that Sunday morning. And my, my wife, Shelly, and I, we don't have a lot of arguments. We've never had a fight. We've had a few arguments, a number of disagreements. But, but there was this one morning, and I don't, I don't remember what the exact thing was. It was probably a financial deal. It was probably my fault because I'm the, 
I don't do good with the finances. That's why she handles that. But we had a, a, an argument on the, way to, on the way to church. And it was, I don't remember details. I don't remember. I just remember she was mad and I was mad. And we drive to church and we get there and we got this little baby. I'm exhausted because I'm a full-time student, 40 hours a week at work. But I'm an assistant manager at work, so I've also got that pressure. And I'm just, like, tired. i got, you know, finals coming up. I'm trying to graduate, get my college degree. I'm trying to get on with this. And I'm just, and, and I'm tired, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm mad, and she's mad. And we get out of church, and we get in. And there's this sweet little lady, this little old lady who, I don't know if it's appropriate to say little old lady anymore. I get so lost in what's correct or not. But this sweet little old lady who had been there almost every week, the greeter at the door. She greets, she opens up that door. Well, how are you, honey? So good to see you this morning. And my wife, who had just been like, you know, she's got that red hair, and it was all, she's fired up all the way to church. She goes, oh, I'm doing great, darling. How are you? And I was like, who are you? I mean, what just happened? And sometimes I think we do that, right? We, like, we may be having a rough time, maybe not even, not an argument or fight, but we just having a rough time, but we get to church, and we get to, like, we get kind of put on a face. And that's where a lot of folks are like, People at church are fake, all hypocrites. And that's one of the reasons why. It's because nobody's life is that great. We're just always happy all the time. No, I'm not happy all the time. But I'm happy on Sunday morning when I get to see you guys, my brothers and sisters, and, uh, and my church family just like that. So, so think about it. Because there's no perfect family, right? I mean, if you could complete this statement, um, you know, my family would be perfect if. Now, without naming like that, that uncle, that weird uncle's name, like he wasn't in the family, don't, don't do that. But my family would be perfect if. What might be something you would, would answer that? Or some people might answer it. You don't have to make it too personal if you don't want to. My family would be perfect if what? More Christianity. More what? Christianity. More Christianity. If there was more Christianity, more, more Christ followers in my family. Okay, I like that one. What else? More weekly communication. Okay, my family would be perfect if we have more, more regular or weekly communication. My mom would agree. My brother, who's two years younger than me, calls my mom and dad every day. I call him once a week or so, and I hear about it. Your brother calls every day. So what you need me for? <laughs> you know? All right, that's good. What else? What else? My family would be perfect if what? A little more open-minded. It's a little more open-minded. Yeah. Right. Anything else? About, you know, think about our community or maybe even campus. Our community, our campus would be perfect if what? They participated. <laughs> they participated. That's good. They didn't add this extra money onto my, <laughs> on my, on my program I wasn't expecting. It came out of nowhere, right? If they had, a, if they had better parking. Right? <laughs> Whatever. You know, we could think about community. And that's like a lot of the times when we talk about to people that we meet and talk about the vision for Awakened Church. And I experience this a lot. And maybe you have some too, some of you guys that, are, that get to talk to people about the church here. And you, know, like you share about the vision to be like missional, about really being outward focused, not like, you know, we got to take care of a building and we got to, you know, get all this stuff right. We want to be focused on how can we make a difference in the community? How can we be a difference on the campus and in the community? And and very awesome, you know, obviously <laughs> multicultural. And it's like in, in us, Natchitoches, Louisiana, this is a very multicultural thing that God's doing here. And it's like our community needs that. And so we are like, I think I, I, one of the things I would say is our community would be perfect. Or our community would be better if we had more of this. More of like people with like, let's just come together and be together and celebrate life together. A little bit about, and, and I don't want anybody to answer this out loud because it starts fights every time. But our nation would be perfect if, 
and immediately somebody's thinking about a certain person. Uh, so we want to just leave that. But think about it. Think about it. Or how about this? Our church would be perfect if. Anybody got any answers for that one? Church would be perfect if. We had guitar and keyboard at the same time. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe we could. You know, we might have a guitar player we don't know about in the house. So, so think about that for just a minute. Because I think when we think that church would be perfect if is kind of where we're coming at this 2020. Like, this is where we're saying at Awakened Church, you can belong here and welcome home. Because, you know, it's really come as you are. Like, nobody's perfect. We get that. None of us are either. Actually, here, just no perfect people are allowed. That's why we're all here. No perfect people are allowed here, right? But there's no question that these days that more and more people are feeling like when it comes to church, I just don't feel like I, I belong. Like, more and more people are feeling that. I don't feel like I would fit in. And, and I don't, I'd say some of it's in part of, uh, had to do with social media. We talk about social media quite a lot here. We use, Obviously, we use social media, and, and we're on it, and we, we like it, we embrace it. But w- when we see everybody else's highlight reel, we prepare our everyday life to their, their, you know, their highlights, and that happens. That can happen with church, too. We can look at, oh, they have this church, and there's all the smiley faces, and we're actually getting ready to do something like uh, put some new, new pictures with smiley faces on our, on our website and stuff. But it's like we see all that and go, well, I, just, I wouldn't fit in there because nobody there looks like me. They, don't, they all look like they have it all together, and they don't look like me and stuff. But I, I couldn't measure up to that, that kind of standard anyway. And we, keep, we do that with church. We also do it in our own individual lives, and we keep comparing ourselves to others in our every moments, to others' best moments. So it can bleed over in how we view church. definitely can. And God's vision for Awakened Church is just to be a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. We're all on the journey. Some, we're in different places on the journey. We're just saying, welcome home. Let's, let's journey together for, for this for a while. So we're interested in you. We're interested in your hopes, your dreams, your, your, your fears and hang-ups, because we understand we all have those. All of us have all of these, and we're on this journey together. So welcome home, because you belong here. Now, as we get deeper into this passage today from Genesis 37, this, this story of, of uh, Jacob and his sons, especially Joseph, we're going to get into a little bit deeper. Here's our big idea. Regardless of where you come from, there is a place for you in God's family. Regardless of where you come from, there's a place for you in God's family. We'll just tag on to that. There's a place for you at Awakened Church. Regardless of where you come from. So here's the, thing, the first thing I want to kind of camp out in for just a minute. Our actions affect others. Our actions have an effect on others. Way, way, way back in the day, way before the 80s, <laughs> back in the like, 40s and 50s, in Lawrence, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis, these two people got together. His name was August Nelson, and her name was Helen Utterback. I know, strange names, right? But August and Helen got married and began a family. They had one, two, three, four, five. They had five kids. One died very soon after childbirth. So they grew up, four children grew up together. Three sisters, one brother. The brother's name was Stephen Nelson. That's not me. That's way older than me. Stephen Nelson Sr. He was, he was born in, in Lawrence, Indiana. And they, they began to like see some needs for changes in their life. They met somebody, invited him to church. They started going to this church. It was part of this group of churches. It's not really a denomination, but more kind of a network and a, a movement of churches called the Church of God. And he began going there and began to sense a God calling his life to go into ministry, to be a pastor. Meanwhile, down in West Monroe, Louisiana, in a little community called Balcomville, a, 
a, family, a couple got together named Jack Joyner and Lucille Albritton. And Jack and Lucille uh, began to have their family, and they had four daughters. The middle, the, the, the middle one, I said five daughters, the middle one was named Glenda. And Glenda grew up there in Balcomville, West Monroe, Louisiana, and began to sense a calling in her life. They began, their family began going to a little church right down the street, which is a part of the same tribe of churches called the Church of God. And she had a, this feeling that God was calling her to be a preacher's wife. Now, I know people all the time like, what do you feel like your passion is? What, what do you feel like you, like you want to do with your life? I've got all kinds of answers. Never met anybody that said, um, my goal in life is to be a preacher's wife. <laughs> or be anybody, you know, to be a wife. But that, that was it. So, so she was like, how does this happen? Well, she knew that in the Church of God, there were a number of colleges. One was in Anderson, Indiana, which was about 40 miles from where, my, where, where Stephen Nelson and his family was in Lawrence, Indiana, about 40 miles in Anderson, Indiana. Another one was in Houston, Texas, which isn't that close to, to West Monroe. It's definitely not close to Lawrence, Indiana. And she decided she would go to Gulf Coast Bible College in Houston, Texas to meet her husband. To get her MRS, I guess, degree. And she goes over there. And meanwhile, Steve Nelson says, where's he going to go to college? Well, obviously, Anderson, Indiana, Anderson College, which is now Anderson University, is there. I mean, it's 40 minutes away. That's where you're going to go, right? Mm -mm. He feels like he's going to go to Houston. He goes to Houston, Texas. So Steve and Nelson meets because of all these decisions that people have made. These, these couples met. They decided to get together, start a family. They started to go to, let's decide to go to this church. Let's go to this church. We heard about the colleges that these churches are affiliated with. Here's this one in Houston. He goes all the way from Indiana instead of going to Anderson, 40 miles away, down to Houston. And there, Steve and Nelson meets Glenda Nelson from Balcomville, Louisiana. And he likes her. She hates him. You know, curve in the story. <laughs> But eventually, he won her over. And eventually, they got married. And they got married while they were in college. And then they had a baby on, on, in March, and they graduated in May. That baby born in March 1969 is standing right here. And I'm here preaching, pastoring, after now 50 years of growing up. But, but, but of all my life, because of decisions other people made, have led me to this, to this point. And Awaken Church is here, and you and I are friends, or maybe we've just met, because of decisions a couple made in Indiana and a couple made in West Monroe, Louisiana, back in the 50s or 40s when they got, first got together and then got married, then had family. And then these two students decided to get married and start a family. And now here we are. And my life, because of the actions of others, my life and your life, the life of my kids, have been affected by them. There's a lot of actions that take place in our lives that are likely to have positive impact there's also actions that we take that are likely to have a negative impact. The question will be for us is, what are the actions I'm taking today? What kind of action are they going to have for tomorrow? Positive impact or negative impact? So Jacob, in this story, he made some mistakes with his family. His mistakes with his children, uh, and, and he had some pretty harsh effects when, he, when you think about it. Uh, first of all, Jacob's first mistake, I think, was he's a polygamist. He had four wives. And when people say, well, what about biblical marriage? I say, what about that's not what this is. That wasn't God's plan either. God's plan wasn't polygamy. But yet they did it. It was culturally acceptable. So they did it. And then they got into polygamy. So he had four wives. And he had his favorite son out of all of his sons. And his favorite son was Joseph. Because he really loved his mom. I mean, I'm like, this is messed up. I mean, this whole story is messed up. And yet here it is, just the scripture. And God's working through this. 
So we have those. So, so Joseph has not just his mom, but he's got three stepmoms. Think of that story about the wicked stepmother and those stepsisters. He had three wicked stepmothers and all these stepbrothers and stepsisters. And these women, if you read the story in Genesis, all of these women that married Jacob, Joseph's mother, and uh, stepmothers, all like had problems with each other. They were always like, jealousy. There's always insecurity. There's a lot of envy taking place between them. Uh, as, the, as you read the story, you see that. So the, and the, the family, the, the story they are, they're plagued with, like, stories about incest and rape between stepbrothers and stepsisters and all this stuff taking place. And it's like, I'm reading this story going, this is in the Bible. This is not reality TV. This is, this is wilder than any of that stuff I've seen on reality TV. And Jacob is a classic story of this man who's just, he gets really too busy to really deal with what's happening in the lives of his children. And he's focused, when it comes to his boys, the one that's his favorite. So one thing that was true then, and I believe is true now, is what we believe about ourselves and others is learned mostly in the home. Joseph was learning something about himself and about his brothers and about the world around him in his home. It's more about what is seen and heard a lot of times, too. A lot of times it's like when, when you will, as a parent, I can tell you, if you say one thing but do another, it's what you do that's going to that's gonna be noticed. And you might pick up on that, right? It's probably true of whether you're a parent or not. Um, if you say one thing but do another, it's what you do that's going to really matter. So he's given this robe, right? This robe, of this fancy robe, the robe of many colors. And, and so this... this if you look culturally at what this would have been, it's a robe that extends all the way down to the ankles. And it's got sleeves, long sleeves on it. And it had this, this trim around it that would have been these bright colors. And, you know, it's like this, this trim. It's like fancy. It's a fancy robe. It's not something shepherds wear. His family, all his brothers were all shepherds. Their clothes were like sh a short life thing that they would wear and, and no sleeves at all they're going sleeveless and they're because they have to trudge through the hills and the the briars and the and the swamps when they take their flocks they have to stay with the flocks and so they can't wear this nice fancy robe and he's given this robe something they don't have it's a symbol of joseph's favorite position with his father and it causes issues with his brothers as you know, it probably would if my brother gets like for some reason he seems to be favored by the father i may become a little envious that will happen. But this is happening big time here. And the story goes on. Joseph, he brings this report on his brothers. He brings this bad report about his brothers. He's basically a tattletale. He not only is his daddy's favorite, but he's also a tattletale on his brothers, which doesn't help him with his brothers at all. And eventually his brothers plotted to kill him. He sent out to check on them again. After he's already been a tattletale on them before, his dad's like, go check on your brothers, see how they are. He goes to check on them. And it says in Genesis 37, verse 23, When Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off his beautiful robe that he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now, a cistern is like a, a, like a well that's dug in the ground for water. Now, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So a word that's used a lot today is dysfunctional. And Joseph's family was obviously dysfunctional. And, and, and from a spiritual perspective, dysfunctional is a, is a home that's not functioning as God intended. That's from a spiritual perspective. A home that's not functioning as God intended. Because we need to look at life and relationships in the long term. We need to learn you know, what are actions today, how are they affecting tomorrow. Because I get it, man. You guys are probably, when I was you know, in college, I wasn't thinking about how my actions were going to affect my kids later on. Now, I've got an 8-year-old and 9-year-old. I never even thought about it. 
If I did, I might have made some different choices along the way. Our actions today affect our children and our children's children and, and others. So we live in this present moment, but where we live in this present moment, we, we need to be awakened that our actions today affect others and affect other generations as well. So living in this environment, like Jacob's family, can make it difficult to live for God, but not impossible. Not impossible. Because we look at Joseph, he's a great example of that. He lived in this very dysfunctional, messed up family, and yet he lives with faithfulness for God. So regardless of your circumstances, remain faithful. I would say this is a point where I would say just kind of put the challenge out there to all of us, because we all have some different challenges going on. Regardless of your circumstances, remain faithful. I love the, 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 some of the TV shows that are like family-based. Not I wouldn't say they're family shows, but they're shows about families. And that's like some of my favorite sitcoms right now are on TV. And I think we have some uh, things go. I love this one, Modern Family, which is like this is this final season. It's one of my favorite shows. It's one of the most well-written shows. The Goldbergs, set in the 80s. That's my jam because I, I'm an 80s kid. Um, next one is Blackish. Very, very cool show. I like this show. I think they just kind of finished it up um, last season. Next, we got Fresh Off the Boat. Fresh Off the Boat is another good family show uh, about families. And then there's one a lot of people don't think about, The Simpsons. It's a show about families. And the thread through all these shows is this. Regardless of the circumstances, you stay faithful. Like there's all, every episode is 30 minutes of here's some crazy circumstances that are going to come into your life and into your family. And we're going to have issues and we might even fight. We might even, you know, all these things are going to happen. But you know what's going to happen by the end of the episode? Or maybe it's a two-parter and it'll be the next episode. But we're going to come together and we're going to work this out. And that is the key for, for Joseph here. I love that. Regardless of the circumstances, you remain faithful. So, so here's where this shows Joseph's brothers that they envied him every bit as much as his father favored, favored him. He's their father's favorite, but they all hate him. They, they envy him so bad. And envy is birthed out of fear. And, 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 and it's like a fear of not being accepted. And we all know that fear is a path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. It's true, though. So the hate Joseph's brothers had, they led to great suffering. They were going to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They ripped off his, 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 his coat. They were going to kill him. That was the plan. But they decided, you know what? Let's just let's leave him in this empty cistern, this well. Let's leave him in there instead of killing him. And then they said, you know what? Let's do this instead of that. Let's sell him into slavery. Let's sell him into, into, into human trafficking. And that's what they did. They sold him into human trafficking. And J Joseph ends up going to Egypt. He's a slave. And he's a, he's a slave in the house of this, this Egyptian politician named Potiphar. But here's where he stayed faithful. Regardless of his circumstances, he proved to be responsible and loyal and faithful so much that, that regardless of the circumstances that put him there, Potiphar like made him, not, you're not just a slave or a servant. He put him in charge of his whole household. He's <coughs> like, you're in charge of this house. You, you run the house. You're the boss here. When I'm here, I'm the boss. But when I'm not here, you're the boss. He, because of his circumstances, he stayed faithful. And then his circumstances get ready to change again. Because Potiphar's wife, she sees something she likes in Joseph. Something that's missing in her life. And it says in verse uh, chapter 39, verse 6, Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. 
Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Now, in the original Hebrew, that word sleep doesn't mean going to sleep. It means bone chicka wow wow, what it means. He's like, she says, come on. And he says this. Genesis 39, verse 9. No one here has authority that I do. He, Potiphar, your husband, has held nothing back from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It, must, it would be a great sin against God. See, his faithfulness, regardless of his circumstances, because in these circumstances, he's a, you know, he's a young, strapping young Hebrew boy. And here's, you know, he's in charge. He's kind of got, you know, he's worked himself up. He's, here he is. Says he's a handsome, well-built young man. And here's, you know, these Egyptian pol uh, uh, politicians, you know that he had no ugly wife. You know that they had the smoking hottest wives in all the town. And you know, and she's like, come on, come on, come and, come and sleep with me. And he's like, no. He's like, I can't do this one thing to your husband because he has shown me such great respect. But you know what? This is sinning against God. He was faithful to God in the midst of all this. He was able to remain faithful and do what was right. Even though his brothers had treated him so harshly, even though his circumstances were bad, and they're only going to get worse because Potiphar's wife didn't go, well, okay. She goes, oh, oh, you're going to be like that then. And starts yelling, rape. And, of course, her husband and everybody else believes her instead of the servant. And he gets thrown into the dungeon. He gets thrown into jail with accusation of, attempted of, of assault and attempted rape. And, she, and he's thrown in to jail. You know what? 1 Peter 4.19 says, If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. So looking at how our actions affect others and all of Joseph's hardship, it began, it began with the blatant favoritism of his father, Jacob. And Jacob loved Joseph. It just He expressed this love in a very unhealthy way, in a very dysfunctional way. So as parents, we can't treat every child alike. You think about yourself. You, can, you don't treat every friend alike. You can't. You can't. You know, do it. Do it that way. But we. But what God wants us to do is love everyone equally and treat them fairly. I can't. All of my my boys, all three of them, are completely different. It's almost ridiculous how different they are being the same household from the same two parents. But they are, and it's like I can't. But I love them all equally. It's not exactly the same because they're all different. But I love them equally and try to treat them all fairly. And it's hard to do that if we haven't been treated, treated fairly ourselves. But that's what the call is. Joseph said, I can do this. I haven't been treated fairly, but I can treat others fairly. The way of Jesus is loving people equally and treating people fairly. That's the way of Jesus. To love all people equally and treat people fairly. So things happen in life. Things happen in our families. And things happen to us. Things happen to our families. And we begin to wonder, I'm trying to be faithful. But man, does God, does God even care? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful. I mean, you know, I'm telling you, God understands and he wants to help. God understands and he wants to help. And I want to spend just a, a minute in, in that before we go. Because Joseph's thrown into prison, right? He's staying faithful. He's staying loyal. And he gets lied on and thrown in jail for something he didn't do. He actually did the right thing and got thrown in jail. And he doesn't break. He stays faithful. It says that in this story, he's so faithful. He's such a good, good person. He's such a good, like he doesn't complain. He doesn't say, you know, 
It was false. I'm here by false circumstances. He just did everything the right ways he could. And the jailer put him in charge of the rest of the jail because he was so faithful. And by this time, there was a situation happening in the king, the Pharaoh's uh, household. And his baker, who cooked all his food, and his cupbearer, who's the one who did the taste testing, all the food before they gave it to the king, make sure, you know, if somebody's going to die, it's going to be you, not the king. So they both were put in jail. There was some kind of conspiracy going on having to do with the food and the tasting of the food. So they're both thrown in jail. Then they start having dreams. And they have these dreams. And one of them dreams uh, that, that he gets uh, his, you know, his head poked off by birds. And the other one dreams he gets back to his job. And, and or whatever, you know, he gets put back in place. And they ask what's going to happen. And Joseph was like, well, I can tell you the meaning of these dreams because God's given me this gift. And he tells him, because remember, dreams, the story we read, he had all these dreams about the things bowing down, your, your pay bills bowing down to mine and all that kind of stuff. He had his, uh, a deal with dreams. And they, they, he, he told him what happened. And the one guy, he said, well, sorry, you're going to die. <laughs> he died. And the other guy said, you're going to be restored to your place. He got restored to his place. And he, Joseph said, don't forget about me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Well, they forgot about him until later when Pharaoh started having dreams. And he had these dreams, weird dreams about cows, skinny cows, eating, eating fat cows but staying skinny. Weird stuff like that. And he's like, I don't understand what this means. And all of his dream people in Egypt said, we don't know what it means either. And finally the guy who had been in jail before, he said, oh, I remember when I was in jail. I had a dream. And, and that the Hebrew guy there, Joseph, he told me the dream and it came true just exactly like he said. They called for Joseph. And Joseph hears this weird dream about skinny cows eating fat cows and still being skinny. Joseph says, here's what God says. There's going to be famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty. All the crops are going to be great, but there's going to be seven years of nothing. Famine. No rain, no famine, no crops. So what you should probably do is, because God's giving you the head up, is store up enough food during these next seven years that you'll have food in, the, in storage to handle it to get through the, the bad years. So Pharaoh says, well, if, that's, if, if you're wise enough to tell us that, then you should be in charge of this. And here's Joseph who is now put in charge of this program, which makes him the second highest in command person in all of Egypt because he stayed faithful. Because he stayed faithful to God. He was sold into human trafficking. He was a slave. He was falsely accused. He's in prison. And now he's second in command in all of Egypt. The famine comes. It hits the whole land, all spreading all the way to where Jacob his dad and his brothers, where they all lived. And finally they say, we got to go to Egypt and find some food. By the time they get to Egypt, they don't recognize Joseph, obviously, because it's been like 30 years. And they don't know Joseph is the one they're talking to until finally he reveals it. And he says, is my dad still alive? And they say, yeah. So he says, bring him. You guys move here. So they found this area right outside of Egypt called Goshen. Move the family there, and you can have food, and I'll take care of you. So his brothers, who will never bow down to you, are here bowing down to him, <laughs> say, we need food. And he takes care of them. What kind of, you know, he doesn't take revenge. He shows compassion. He gives grace. Then their father dies, Jacob, when he dies. And then the brothers are all scared. Oh, no, our father, and Joseph has only been nice to us for our father's sake. But now that, now that Jacob has died, he's going to get us back now. And so they started this, this, this issue, like, oh, no, we, we, you know, I'm, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. 
And Joseph says this, Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. There's so many times in your life you're probably going to need that verse. To go, you know what? You may not need to say it to somebody's face, but you know what? You, you intended to harm me, but God's, God intended this for good. And he's using this. He's using me. He brought me to this place. Even if it's a place of hardship, through, through hardship, through struggle, through the jail system, through human trafficking, he brought me here so I could save the lives of many people. Through all of his family issues and all the problems of life, Joseph discovered this about God. God understands and wants to help. God understands your circumstances, and he wants to awaken you to his strength in the midst of those circumstances. God desires to help you rise above any negativity in your life or ne any negativity in your past. He wants to help you rise above that. So when there's division in our lives, we lose. And we will continue to lose unless we find our way to the faithfulness and unity and love of one another that Jesus spoke of. And when family members are constantly fighting, everyone in the family loses. You've probably experienced that. I have. If mom and dad are fighting, the whole family loses. If a parent and a child are fighting, the whole family loses. If brothers and sisters are fighting, the whole family ends up losing. When countries are divided like ours, they eventually fall. When churches get away from the mission and the purpose of awakening people to life change in Jesus, and they get uh, to, to bickering and fighting about the color of carpets, or is the choir going to wear robes or not wear robes, or you know the service times, or what, what's the name actually going to be on the sign out front? When they start having fights about all this stuff, you've got to work it out. But when you start fighting and bickering about it, say, I'm not going to pay my tithe until I get my way, that's evil. And you know what's the really annoying part of all this? Is exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy doesn't have to destroy us if we remain divided. I'm talking church, obviously. We're, we're in church. We are church. In our families, the enemy doesn't have to destroy us if we remain divided. Our nation, the enemy doesn't have to destroy us if we remain divided. Our community, our campus, Let's do something unusual and let's do something holy. Let's listen. Respect. And do it regardless of how they treat us. That's the Jesus way. The Jesus way is regardless of how you treat me, I'm going I'm to listen and respect. I'm going to do what's right. Let's push the foot of the enemy all the way out the door of our homes. Push the foot of the enemy all the way out the door of our lives. And let's do something radical. Let's be kind to each other. I, I, it's crazy. 2020 is like the most radical thing you can do is be a kind person. Instead of flaming people on your, on your Twitter or your Facebook or with your Instagram, you just be kind. That might mean you don't comment on something. <laughs> be kind. Let's have conversations instead of conflict. Let's have conversations instead of conflict. Let's treat others like the treasure that Jesus says they are. And please, let's be this at, at Awakening Church. As we continue to grow into a church that, that God has planned for us to be, his vision for us to be, let's become a family that makes Jesus elbow an angel. It's like, that's what I was talking about when I was talking about church. When I was talking about you know, reconciliation. When I was talking about when I was talking about my body, the church. I was talking about that. They're getting it and they're sharing it. That's what I have in mind. So what's the next step? 
I think this week, you know what, think about, think of at least one thing you're thankful for for your family. That could be, for all of us, man, we could probably think of a lot of things, but sometimes there may be some of us who are like, it's a stretch for me to think of one thing even to be thankful for. But try that. Try to think of just one specific thing you're thankful for for your family. And then pause and just thank God for that. Thank God for whatever that one thing is. And then the next step, might be even a little bit bigger challenge, is express that to your family, or at least that family member. Express that gratitude. You know what? I, I realized something. I'm so thankful for whatever that is. Lord, help us in our, just in our, our application of this today, Lord. This, this story is one of those ones that, that um, it's, it's, it's wild to, to kind of go through that story of Joseph and, and to see, Lord, how you are just with him um, and his faithfulness through all these circumstances. And, Lord, we, we just know that that's a challenge for us. It's difficult. Uh, but, Lord, we thank you that, that, um, that you are with us, that we're not alone. And, Lord, you have created this thing. It's, it's, a, it's actually a body, a family called church that we call church. And it's the assembly. It's the gathering. It is people. It's not a place. It's a people. And, Lord, we are here to be with each other, to go through this with each other, to, to day by day and week by week and year by year be with each other, to have each other's backs, to show your love and to share your love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us that. At Awaken Church, we continue to be able to say, welcome home to everyone on the first day they come in here because we all, be we all belong. We all belong with you. We all belong to you so we can belong together we can come just as we are. Now, thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we prepare to, to, to take our next step, Holy Spirit, we, just, we know we're going to need you. Maybe we just need you to help to think of that one thing we're thankful for. But Lord, we need to express that. We need to tell somebody. We need to write a note or give a call or a text just to say thank you for this. And Lord, we need you to help us with that. We thank you that you're right here, ready to help us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.